Chris was also the creator and host of the Chris Gethard Show, which existed in sort of multiple incarnations. It was on television for a while and before that. Yeah, it was on public access and true TV and maybe another channel. Fuse, or yeah, fusion, as well as, maybe fusion, fusion, and also just like on the web. And before that, it was a stage show at the UCB Theater when yours right, truly was a regular member of it. So it the, really took a lot off of, once they got rid of you. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Um, <laughs> I don't think because of getting rid of me, but it did coincide yeah, with it. People say kind of finding its feet. But the Chris Gethard Show has a really passionate fan base. You know, big time fans of comedy and and sort of just like kind of alt comedy love the Chris Gethard Show with good reason, and in 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 various in its various incarnations. And um, so we, I don't know, he's like the perfect guest to have on. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Thor. Uh, what issue numbers? Uh, you talk a little bit and I'll look them up. We're going to talk about Thor, the frog Thor arc from Walt Simonson's big run. It's what uh, we're going to talk about. I got it. 364 through 366. Yeah. And uh, this is a long one, guys. You probably saw that when you downloaded it, but uh, strap in. Yeah, strap in. Uh, we, we really get into stuff. And the Walt get Simonson. Get some food, get some water, uh, go to the bathroom now. Spread it out over a couple sittings. No, no. Do um, this. Binge it, man. <laughs> Don't well, I, I know I know the episode's already long, but we got to say the Walt Simonson run of Thor is like iconic. We say this in the interview with Gether, but like this is uh, this is one of the big tentpole runs in Marvel history. Yeah, it is probably the Thor run still. I would say over the Kirby Lee stuff. Yeah. As far as what people remember, uh, Jason Aaron just had a huge run that people love. But I would say this is still number one. And then like Jason Aaron and Lee and Kirby are like the next tier. But like if you're going to read one run of Thor, it's Walt Simonson. Yeah. And so and Gethard picked a really fun arc, the Frog Thor arc from within it. And um, he's got great reasons why. And of course, we spend too much time talking about it, as we always do. And uh, I guess I guess we hope you enjoy the interview. You will enjoy it. Chris Gethard, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> I'm a fan of the show. I know. I can't believe it. <laughs> will, I've told you this. I've listened to like a couple dozen episodes at this point. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, so much. <laughs> I like it a lot. I listened to, I've listened to a bunch of comic book podcasts. It's legitimately my favorite one, even outside oh, of knowing you. you. And then outside of that, during the pandemic, I've also come to realize maybe part of this obsession is that it's, I get to feel like I'm hanging out with two people that I've known and <laughs> fond of for 20 years. So that it has is. that added bonus, but it's a very good comic book podcast and I like it. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, as I'm yeah, sure I mean, we said in the intro, we've all known each other forever. We've known each other probably for 20 years. You probably roasted my ass. You probably roasted <laughs> my ass. Yeah, I took level one with Kevin. That's right. That's right. And then we performed together for years. It's funny because I wonder if you guys are having the same thing of like, I don't know if the pandemic's feeling this, but I'm like, worked like Kevin and I started together and worked together for a few years. And then Will later on, you and I did. And those things yeah. always kind of come and go. Yeah, but then I look back from the macro sense now of like a full twenty years, and I'm like, oh, it was such a good time. Oh yeah, that yeah. was a good. Definitely life. look back fondly on that for sure. All the day to day dramas don't matter. No, it was just cool to be a part of it, and you guys were a big part of it for me. Uh, even for me, near the end, I didn't. The, uh, yeah, even I was working at UCB, which is what we're talking about, and the day to day stuff like it bothered me, but it also was like, ah, overall, so much good has come for me being in this community that yeah, like yeah. my feelings towards it, it's are hard to not be positive generally. Yeah. And maybe, maybe now that New York has officially 
you know, collapsed very sadly. You're, I'm able to go, okay, okay, now we can maybe all shut up about the things that went wrong and remember that decade plus hot streak where it was so Amazing. positive. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway, we're talking comic books. Fellas. <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to the Jesse Falcon episode. And oh, it just are, came out. Yeah, I, that's I'm a fan of the show. I listened to half <laughs> of it yesterday, half of it today while feeding my son breakfast. But one thing I you didn't mention as much was how Jesse's apartment was like a hangout and how he had like amazing toys and glass cases everywhere and actual murals painted by comic artists on the walls. And you were talking about how he showed people weird videos all the time. And I bet this one's hit the internet, but he had all this shit before the internet was this like repository. Right. He once showed me a pilot for a Superman TV show that clearly was trying to like capitalize on the unlikely Batman show success. And it was a musical and the sets were actual paper drawn, like sets drawn on paper. Oh my God. Hanging in a sound studio. One of the henchmen Superman was beating up was the guy who played Al on Happy Days, right? Arnold was Pat Morita. Al yes. was the other guy. So right. The guy played Al, Al was, yep, 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 yeah. yep. Whatever that guy was, yeah. So it's Superman like beating up Al from Happy Days. <laughs> and never. I never forgot one of the song lyrics and it was, uh, boom, pow, karate can be lots of fun. And I remember watching that at Jesse's place and laughing so hard. You're right. We didn't capture the Jesse's apartment as the weird like, like almost like bat cave of man child marvel toys yeah and just he like lived, but you you are all you of our captured, dream life yeah oh sorry i was no, gonna say okay. he like lived all of our dream job he's a gorgeous man and his name is jesse falcon like yeah. he has <laughs> the ultimate life i wanted as a child yeah there's an aspect to his apartment that felt like if you had designed it at 10 yes and then just like locked it in yes I loved it. It was a great episode. You've been on a hot streak in general lately, boys. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Well, you're part of that hot streak. Yeah, yeah you're thanks part of that hot streak. I'm glad you, you you were on our short list of guests we wanted to get. Um, because not only are we all friends, as we just talked about, and we love you, um, you're also a true blue comic book aficionado from way back. You've had letters published as a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, I guess we want to let's let's get a snapshot of that. How would you describe your like yourself as a fan? I mean, even before and, that, I'll just say when I first met Gethard because we would do we improv wanted. rehearsals, he would have his Midtown com not Midtown comics. It was maybe somewhere else. Cosmic comics, Cosmic comics. He'd have his bag. You and uh, Jamie would always have come from the comic shop to rehearse uh, class. And it's part of how you and I hit it off so hard right out of the gate was because it became clear we were both fans and mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, Jamie and I were still at Rutgers at the time and the, the big comic book store in New Brunswick had shut down. So sometimes we'd have to drive three or four towns away. But when we started classes, we just cosmic comics was right near where we took classes on 18th yeah, right. street and uh, 18 West 18th street, baby cap 21. I'll never forget that address. But <laughs> I remember too, I thought that store closed down and they had Did just, they had, well, it lit, so I thought it closed down like, 2004 or five. And I think they had just renovated. And then one day I walked by, I was like, hold on, that place came back in the same location. And I went in and this was probably like eight or nine years after that. And I was like, wait, didn't you guys close? They're like, no, we never closed. <laughs> and I bought comic books and they still had, you know how at you when you're a regular, you can give them your birthday and they know. Yeah, when you like get they to- had like a, a notebook. They just, they gave through. me my discount. I hadn't bought anything there in like eight years. Anyway, so that's how <laughs> that's Kevin amazing. and I bought it. As a fan, I'm not 
as up on it currently as I used to be. Marvel Unlimited has sucked me back in in a really nice way. For yeah, me, I feel like Marvel Unlimited should give you a kickback, I think, because like you like I've texted me every- out of nowhere. You were like, you got to get Marvel Unlimited. This was like unprompted, just like a text yes. like, Will, you got to get Marvel Unlimited. I've told a lot of people because it's it's really fun. I just love that it's like, there's no, it's not like going out and buying a graphic novel. Uh, I know you're paying like a monthly fee, but it's like, if I read the first issue of something and I don't like it, there's going to be something else on there I can like. And you Google most underrated Marvel story arcs ever. And there's so many things that come up and you can catch up on all the stuff you missed as a kid, blah, blah, blah. Which is as a completist, I love having access to so much. Like it is deeply appealing to be able to be like, you know what? I never read Chris Claremont's Iron Fist stories. Oh, speaking of Claremont, by the way, it made me laugh so hard when you two were talking with Jesse and you're like, yeah, no, like this whole premise is that you two are obsessive comic book fans. I know. Since you were kids. And then you're like, except for everything, yeah. you know, we missed the boat on the X-Men and I'm sitting yeah. there laughing going like, oh, you mean the comic book that defined not just comics culture, but eventually in many ways, pop culture from the seventies yeah. through the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We blew it. Yeah. We blew we, it. We, we, we read everything except for the single most popular comic yeah. ever made. Yes. We they, love space operas except for Star Wars, basically. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Like that, we're we're big dummies. My bullet points as a comic fan were: my family used to go to this cheap campground in the Poconos called Otter Lake. We'd go okay. there every summer for a few days. That was like a nice cheap vacation for, um, you know, our family. Sometimes every few years we'd get like you know just exactly what you think from like a solid lower middle class family. Every few years you take a big vacation, and the other years you spend three or four days at Otter Lake in a tent. Like nice family thing, fond memories. And they had a little, you know, you could go fishing and hiking. And then they had a little general store. And I was in the general store one day. I was, I think, probably eight years old. They had these, not just a spinner rack, but the sort of like cellophane sealed four packs. Right, right. If you remember those. Yes. And um, two of them were He-Man and G.I. Joe. And I'm the exact age that I was the kid where I had the big four cartoons, right? G.I. Joe. He-Man, Transformers, Thundercats. Like that was a pretty great, and those are all just superhero stories when you think about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a million He-Man figures as a kid, Transformers. I had all those mini bots. The big ones were too expensive, but I had the mini bots. Loved them. Transformers in particular, loved them. So I see this He-Man comic book. It's got Orko on the cover. I'm like, they make comic books too. And then you couldn't see the one behind that. And then I flip it over and it's G.I. Joe on the front. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And it's only a couple bucks. I get it. I read it. The He-Man one was clearly like, that was your classic. Like this is a licensed property, like not that good, but the GI Joe comic, Larry Hammer wrote those all himself, you know? Yeah. He was like the guy who invented them. I was like, this is really good, man. Comic books might be cool. Yeah. And then the other ones I got, I'll never forget was, I looked up the number. I, I forget what it was, but it was an issue where the Fantastic Four fought the master of pandemonium on the moon. <laughs> And I remember thinking like, just like every kid, right? I'm like, who's the thing? What's this? (laughs) the deal with the thing? I'm loving this guy, the thing. And then the other one was an issue of classic X-Men, which was X-Men was so popular that they had a reprint series of the, of the older issues. And uh, And we skipped those two. We're like, we're still skipping them. They gave you (laughs) multiple chances. They're like, hey, Heinz brothers, this is so good. We'll put it on the shelves again. If you want a second chance. And I said, no, thanks. But yeah, it had Banshee on the cover, shirtless. It turned out it was a reprint of um, one of the. It was it was um, after they fought Magneto, and 
they got split up and most of the X-Men wound up in the Savage Land. People remember, it's the one where the Beast is carrying an unconscious Jean Grey through the snow. Uh, I, I'll never forget that. And I was just on board right away. X-Men in particular, right out of the gate. I was like, this is cool. And I think a lot of my childhood issues, looking back on it, the X-Men made sense. Like I thought a lot about an adult as how the X-Men was probably born out of Stan Lee's laziness, right? Like every other of those original comics, like Cosmic Rays, Bit by a Spider, Gamma Bomb. Yeah. X-Men, it was just, they were like born that way. I think I think he's said that in interviews. He's like, "Oh, what a great idea! I don't have to think of particular yeah, origins. Yeah. I can just say they were born." And I think Homo Superior predated the X Men. Like that's something that like sci fi stories in the fifties used. And uh, Stan was kind of like, "Oh, this is a good thing I could use to justify creating it. here." He just stole it. He just wanted another team book, right? He just wanted another. Another Avengers, another Fantastic Four. All, all of the like origin behind the scene origin stories of the great Marvel characters are a little disappointing when you find out. It's all like being done for some cynical reason to rip off DC or quick bang out another book, and then it just ends up becoming yeah. this great thing that like has a huge impact. Now, the thing about the X Men origin is when you think about a medium that winds up appealing, especially before the movies, right? The X-Men movie, all of a sudden it was like, uh uh-oh, it's pop culture. And as Jesse mentioned, Blade, but the X-Men in particular was like, oh, you can do it. Before that, we all know, like it was misfits. It was misfits. Like you were a nerd. It marked you as as something and it was fine. But the idea that you're going to have a whole bunch of misfit fans and it's just, you were born weird. That's why you are the way you are. You're born weird. So people hate you. Yeah. Really appealed to me, like really identified with it. Also, the friendship aspect, like you're going to have a little tribe that will protect each other. Yes. Like, my, Although we, we joke about, well, we don't even joke, we admit that we were not so up on X-Men, but I did read X-Men somewhat. And I always just loved like Wolverine, when the chips are down, will fight to the death on behalf of everybody in the X-Men. Yeah. He like might he'll be yell the most- at them and fight them and tell them they're all fake and like sell it and like yell at Scott Summers. But like when the Sentinels show up, Wolverine will throw his body in front of a laser beam to protect Cyclops or whatever. Absolutely. It, it, it really had just like such good ethics and, and lessons in it. And the stories were so exciting as everybody knows. And from that point on, it was basically, I would do my chores. I would charm my grandparents on any given month. If I did those two things, I could maybe have hoard about like 20 bucks. And my parents would, my dad would bring me there was a comic book store in Montclair called Middle Earth. I used to walk there, <laughs> but uh, my dad came with me once and they had like all the Robert Crumb stuff. And he was like, you're not fucking going here anymore. So then there was in the Livingston Mall, there was a place called the Superhero Shop. And that was the era when it was $1 a comic, right? So I'd go, I'd have 15 bucks, 20 bucks. That meant 15 comics, 20 comics. It's literally all I spent my money on. And then later it was... Time Warp, which is in Cedar Grove, New Jersey, just an absolutely perfect comic book store and used to go there and really was obsessive. What are we talking about here? When you were 10, what years, what year, what year was that? Uh, like? I was eight in 1988. So okay. fifth grade, 1990. So really mm-hmm. like, really like, and it was all for me, it was Spider-Man. It was the X-Men. When I had that 20 bucks, first things I'm buying is anything Spider-Man, anything X-Men. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. whatever I have left over, I'm taking chances on. I remember so specifically 
the first time I bought an a issue of Avengers, it was because Spider-Man went to the moon with them. There was a crossover. I like, go, oh, Spider-Man's in this. Check it out. Now Avengers yeah. loved Captain America even more than Avengers. It was like, I got into Captain America and just whatever, you know, Fantastic Four, you'll be disappointed to hear. It was never totally my bag. That was I, the one I would come and go on the most. As well, especially if you're talking the late, the early nineties, the FF yeah. fell off after burn and it took a long time for them to yeah. ever have a good run again. And that's when they all of a sudden, like it would be like she Hulk was joining and they were clearly just like trying stuff. Over so Walt Simonson did a short run. That's really fun. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. But like, unless you were paying attention, uh, you'd miss cause it was brief pockets of FF being good, despite it being like one of the early classic hits of the Marvel universe. So were you a guy, Chris, at this time when you're 10 or whatever and you're, and you're fully getting into it, were yeah. you like somebody who would like, I don't know, daydream about being a superhero? Did you play with figures? Did you, did you read the comics and like read who the writers and editors and inkers were and kind of like try to imagine the Marvel bullpen? Did you become like an yeah. aficionado of like, oh, if like so-and-so's the penciler, I got to get that or, you know. The less so on the toys question, I had some of the toys, but... Like I, I remember like getting a Cyclops toy where the eyes lit up and it broke almost immediately. And I was just kind of like, yeah. So it was much more about sort of the 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 artists and writers to a degree, but for me it was more and you guys you guys will laugh knowing me as well as you do. It was just an absolute dedication to becoming encyclopedic in my knowledge <laughs> of the Marvel universe. Where like okay. in the same way as when I got really into drinking soda, all of a sudden I know I'm ordering sodas from all over the world, you know? Like <laughs> my current one is lawn maintenance. I live in the suburbs. I'm like, I have an app on my phone that tells me the daily average soil temperature. I like research different fertilizers. Like I just am always an obsessive person about things I get into. And so you would it want to would, know like the continuity. You'd want to know like who's yes. this character and what's Who their crossover where mm -hmm. have they ever fought? Like when I would read, you know, like I would get, I had a subscription to wizard magazine, which was really big for a lot of kids of my exact age. And, but like, I'd get all like, what was it called? What were the things called that you'd buy them? And it was the Marvel characters and they had the three hole punches and it was just file cards explaining and you put it those. in a three ring binder totally and it wasn't it. stories. It was just, here's this person, here's their deal. Here's it's, where they it's not the, uh, uh, it's not handbook, the, it's not the encyclopedia of, one. The, the handbook, handbook of the Marvel wasn't, universe. The, the handbook was handbook of the Marvel universe. I think was, did, was that hole punched. No, Chris is mixing up two things or he's combining two things. There was the official handbook to the Marvel universe was like printed like a comic book yeah. with just like newsprint inside. And that right. was like, um, you know, encyclopedia entries, right. the powers, the history, the pseudoscience that justified their whatever. And then, but there also was this thing out there talking about, which is almost like an expanded baseball card. And it, I, yeah, I, it, I, I, and, uh, and I it had binder holes and I, I obsessively got those. And like you guys would anything that reprinted classic stuff, I would get it. And Marvel's 50th anniversary, they put out this huge hardcover book. That was great. And uh, I'd also go like, go to like the RCA video in town and they had a bunch of old cartoons. Like that actually, I remember knowing about Spider-Man because Spider-Man and his amazing friends was coming out when I was real little. I remember yeah. being at That'd the be first like when you're five or six or something. Younger, because I lived at a house on Franklin Ave in West Orange and I remember watching it specifically in that house and we moved out of there in 1984. So I was four or younger and I was okay. like, Firestar, Iceman, Spider-Man, knew them. So... Yeah. Yeah. And then it just kept going like that pretty much through, I, I don't think I've ever told either of you this. 
I actually did an independent study uh, my senior year of college. I, I was taking a, a series of joke classes and independent <laughs> studies. I wound up doing two independent studies my senior year because um, it, it was just, it allowed me to go to the city and do more comedy. And I did one that actually they told me came in second place for like an award that the American studies department gave out. Cause the whole thing was basically uh, an argument that superheroes in American culture have come to represent uh, the same roles that Greek gods and Roman gods and Catholic saints represented in those cultures back in yeah. the day. Like Jack, Kirby, Jack Kirby would love that thesis for sure. Yeah. And I would basically meticulous. I think I did it all based on the Greek gods maybe. And then would be like, this character very clearly shares these qualities, this and that. And I remember being very proud to compare Batman to Hephaestus. <laughs> lived inside a mountain and made weapons out of metal. And it was like, yeah, Batman lives in a cave and makes weapons. Like this is yeah. not a stretch. Yeah. I remember the last stuff that was the stuff that I was like going every week or two and collecting uh, was Ultimate Spider-Man and the Ultimates. And then surprisingly non-Marvel Invincible. I went really hard at Invincible when it came out, which is pretty much just an early Marvel comic content wise yeah story wise then after that i owned my own apartments and finally understood why my mom was like i can't have these fucking things laying around everywhere <laughs> and uh fell off a bit but marvel unlimited yeah. is bringing me back great yeah the main reason i switched to digital was storage it's just like i don't know where to put yeah. them and i don't care about owning them i'm not a collector in the resell type of sense it's like i just want to read these stories now that i have my own place my own house um my dad, every time he visits, he brings a bin of comics that, because I, I left all mine in, in their house. They've moved three times and brought my comics with them. <laughs> and he's brought them down these huge, I never like bagged and boarded. I was always like, I want to read them. I, I don't care. Like We're kind of like that too. I think we yeah. we're less precious about like preserving them and they're meant to be read. Like, let's get to those stories. Let's Let's feel them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Reread them. If the covers are falling off, that means I love these things. And yeah, he brought them all down. And I believe the le when I counted as a kid, I remember at a, at a certain point, I remember I had over ten thousand comic books, and I believe <laughs> now they're all in my house. So I have to go through and order those for my son to read someday. Okay, so maybe you've answered this, but like, who who are your looking back now overall? Who are your main guys? You still Spider Man still one of your main guys? Like when you think, who do you connect with emotionally? 100% Spider-Man and the X-Men to okay. this day. Um, okay. And you both know me. You both know how obsessed I was with like being like, I'm the underdog and every I have to prove everybody wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like that was That's my still whole true, isn't career. It? I think, have you, I don't think you've let that go, have you? I chilled out a little bit. Chilled out <laughs> a little bit. 5%, 6%. Yeah, right. Jason Manzoukas actually one day, he was in New York and he pulled me aside and he's like, dude, you like you've written books now and you like have your own cable show and like you're the wife is your wife is the band leader on the show. Like everyone can see that she's a really pretty late. Like you, how, I don't think people are going to buy you being the ultimate underdog much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think that's proven true. And uh, I've relaxed a bit. Um, let's uh, we'll, we'll come back to some of this then let's, let's maybe get into the issues a little bit. We'll be able to jump yeah, back and forth. I'm Should we so take a excited. quick break? Will? Oh gosh, we've never done that. Yes, let's. Um, Sometimes we're supposed to take a break. We're supposed to take a break, right? So yeah, Camp yeah. Fire, well, you have to plug Campfire Media, guys. I listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we're going to take the mandatory break that Gethard knows well, and we'll be right back. 
Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we are back. Um, yeah, so let's get into the comic you picked, Gethard. Why you picked it, we'll talk about it. We can we can jump back and forth to your like identity as a fan, too, as it comes up. I want so, to apologize to everybody for rambling so much, but I'm really excited to be here. No, <laughs> we, and we've told Chris we want him to ramble, so... Uh, you have the full permission of the milksops to to ramble on as much ah, as you wish. The milksops. <laughs> That's the names we've we've adopted as this. Yes, is going we did on. not pick that. The fans Your, picked that. The for Hulk us. series was so fucking funny. How uh, you guys point out that they constantly shit on Rick Jones, even though he's a brilliant mind. The best. He does so much right. Which we did not realize, I think, until we did the rereading. But like, you know, he's the teen. He's 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 cast as this troublemaker, ne'er do well. But he's constantly crushing it in so many ways, yes. keeping yes. the Hulk so alive, funny. figuring out scientific devices. And his only reward aliens. is to be knocked across the room by a horizontally. Monster. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It made me laugh so hard. Those episodes made me laugh hard. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, what? So I know that you struggled a little bit with what you were going to pick. I, I talked to you yesterday, yes. and I was like, because I've been on your show, what's in this box? And uh, wait, what's the, what's the exact title of your show? What's in the box? What's in the box? It was what? technically it's Planet Scum Live, but everybody just calls it What's in the Box. Yeah. Uh, Gethard's weekly Twitch show that I've been uh, fortunate enough to to guest on a couple times, and it's yeah, really you're now fun. sucked into sort of. I am now a regular cast member permanently. I think you are now maybe the third co-host. <laughs> Who's the regular? Somebody. Who's the regular second co-host? Uh, Christy Cello. So oh, yes, people can pay box money right to here. Add more stuff to the box, and there's now 14 items spread between four boxes. Uh, me, Christy. Patrick Cotner and Will all have boxes, and if people <laughs> guess all 14 items, they win over two thousand dollars. It's true. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mentioned Gethard. Oh, you got to come on the comics podcast. And immediately Gethard was thrown and spiraled on what he would pick to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I almost and, picked an episode, an issue rather of Captain America that I really love that nobody talks about. Um, Which one is that? We won't get into it. Just like as a. Well, if you we'll, bring me back someday, I think when I looked it up, I think it's Captain America 371. It ties into why I wanted to do these ones with you guys though. Okay. So let's, we'll just talk about these. So what yeah. we did pick is, and I'm sure we said in the I intro. I thought you were going to pick the X-Factor therapy issue. Well, I've talked about that so much publicly. Sure, X-Factor number 87, if you ask me, is the best bottle episode, bottle issue comic, um, where every member of X-Factor has to sit down with Doc Sampson and be psychoanalyzed. I think it's perfect. Yeah. That's when we were like, Will's like, let's ask Gather. I'm like, I think I know what he's going to pick. But that's why uh, I didn't want to pick sense. it. All right. Yeah. You're, so, you're done talking about it. That's great. Captain America 371 is one where Captain America takes Diamond back out on a date <laughs> and he's constantly being attacked by villains. So the rest of the Serpent Society wants Diamond back to have a good date. So they they secretly trail them all night. And as other villains are trying to attack Captain America, they keep beating up the villains. So Diamond back and Captain America can just have a date night. <laughs> um, it's an extremely Marvel storyline. It's very well, funny. And, 
and that's why I, I want to cover that one someday. If you'll have me back down the line, I'm not presumptuous, but instead, we'll I see pick, how the ratings are on this. We'll check <laughs> yeah, the please, please <laughs> check the downloads. But I picked the um, infamous a few years ago. I, I, I had totally missed the boat on Walt Simonson's run on Thor. Right. I always heard about it, but as a kid, Thor was so lame to me. Yeah. And I had collected the Marvel cards in fifth grade. And the, one of the hardest ones to get was Beta Ray Bill. And I'd never yeah. heard of him. And when I got it, I was like, this guy sucks. He's <laughs> dressed like Thor and I don't know what he is. He right. sucks. I was so mad that I spent so much money just trying to get Beta Ray Bill. And then I got the card. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> so because Thor was pretty lame in the era when I was when I was reading. And uh, I think Thor I, for a kid, Thor is like so wordy and like who cares about myths? I think Thor is exactly. a hard sell for kids compared to like Spider-Man or the Hulk or the thing, which yeah. is like more fun and, or like X-Men doctor with a walking stick. I just thought yeah. it was lame. Um, but then Marvel unlimited, I'm like, all right, Claremont's X-Men, Frank Miller's daredevil. And then Wait, Claremont's what? Sorry. Uh... Yes. Right. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I'm not this thing. You guys should really check it out. I know he had a great run on Marvel team up. And... Yeah. And I love iron fist. I love his iron fist run. You know how there was a guy briefly in the Fantastic Four named Wolverine in like sort of a money grab? Uh-huh. Story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. That sure, guy's sure. from this other group called the X-Men. Oh, you really? I loved him. I thought he was that. a new character. Yeah. yeah. Um, but his run is brilliant. Like everybody would always say, Walt Simonson Thor is like yes. the third big one. And it's it's in my, I read it, I go, oh my God, I think, I think not only did I miss the boat, I think this might be the best. And I, yeah. I, I, I yeah, it, it comes up with, a, with Miller's Daredevil Burns yes. FF and the, the Claremont X-Men. It's like, and Walt Simonson's Thor, maybe Roger Stern's Avengers. Like just during that like peak period, it was like another yeah. one of these amazing runs. And I Eris, also missed it when it was coming out. I read it maybe like 10, 12 years ago. Me I too. was too young, but I never went back. And the other thing too, and, and this is a thing people say is all of those runs are so good that nobody even really talks about Mark Grunewald's like 10 year run on Captain America. Yes. Which if Which those things didn't exist, people, I'm rereading it now. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, they just, they just, they were on lock. I think it was, that was the generation where they had, they were kids in the sixties. Yes. So they like were baked in the original Kirby and Ditko in a real primal yes. way. So when they grew up, they're like, we know how to, we know what these comics are supposed to feel like. And we can actually do it even better than those guys did in the kind of way that like, just like television was really good in the late nineties because this generation that had, Grown up on 70s TV, we're like, oh, we know how to do it right or whatever. One also had, you also had artists coming in that had like their own visual style. Like Walt Simonson has such a, like Marvel had sort of a set look. Yeah, the Kirby Walt Simonson look. and Miller uh, started really pushing that away and being like, no, just draw good. Who cares? Yeah. Um, now, but I read these when they collected these as Marvel visionaries. They did like a, a, a collection of these. And I remember buying the, like, the first volume coming out and being like, well, I never read it. I'll buy the first volume. And I was like, oh, now I need to get all these damn things. This is so good. For anybody else who has bailed on this because you don't like Thor or that era of Thor in particular, it's, I tell people, I'm like, comic book friends of mine, I will text them and be like, did you ever read this? And like the kids I grew up with obsessing over comics are like, no, fuck Thor. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's honestly the best superhero. I think it's the best superhero comic book writing I've ever read outside of like, maybe Watchmen. Like I put it up there with Dark Knight Returns. Damn. I put it up Damn. there with wow. Marvels. Like, uh, anyway, high so, praise. 
Well, I'll just say I'm one of those friends, Gethin, before you launch into I want you to get into your thing. But like when you texted me, Will, if you do you have Marvel Unlimited, you got to do it. I was like, yeah, I should do it. You follow right up with you got to read Simonson's Thor. And at that time, I was like, just like you, I was like, yeah, you know, I've always heard it's great. Never got around to it. You're like, you got to read it. And that did get me to read it. I subscribed to Marvel Unlimited. And the first thing I did was read the Walt Simonson Thors, the ones he wrote and drew, and then the ones he just wrote. And it is incredible. It was so enjoyable. And Beta Ray Bill's in there immediately. He thought Beta Ray Bill was a cynical character that like he arrived at. But he, in issue one, Beta Ray Bill is there. They kick out Thor. In a company that is obsessed with origins. All right, the Hulk went in a trench, this and that. Gamma Bar, oh, the Fantastic Four flying estate. Yeah, yeah. Here's Beta Ray Bill's origin. This guy just showed up, everybody. And that's it. And then somehow he immediately became like my favorite He's up there now for me. It's Spider-Man, X-Men, Beta Ray Bill. I love him to death. He, I mean, at the time, he was the only person to ever have picked up the hammer. Like, no one else had, like, that's now oh, become a thing where, like, every good. big story, someone picks it up. I know. Uh, but, like, when he picked it up, it was like, that. it's weird to be like, hey, the one rule is no one can pick up this hammer, and that no writer ever went like, I'm going to have someone else pick it up. Not only did he pick it up, Thor's dad gets so disappointed in Thor not being like able to like beat Beta Ray Bill that he has them fight to the death in front of him. Yeah. And Thor loses. And Thor's dad is like, Beta Ray Bill, kill my son. He's a disappointment. <laughs> Beta Ray Bill is like, nah, I'm not into that. All right, I'll make you your own Thor hammer. He gets his own hammer. And yeah. it's cooler. It's Stormbreaker. It's cooler <laughs> than the fucking hammer. Yeah. And you can pronounce the name. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Bader Bill is an amazing character, and the Thor one so was good. so enjoyable. I would say, speaking sort of, you know, like uh, to me, it was it was honor. Like Thor's, the currency of a Thor story is like the noble honor of Thor. Like he's very similar to Captain America in this way. Like he has integrity and yes. arrogance, I guess. Integrity and arrogance. Like I shall best all of you, and I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. For I am Thor is like the thrill of like those stories, just like Spider-Man is like responsibility and guilt. Batman is like revenge. Thor is the like swaggering, uh, the, the swaggering fire of duty. And it's so fun when Simonson writes it and he strips it right down. The first couple issues are just, they're great. And it's just immediately, okay, he's just Thor. He's not Donald Blake anymore. He yeah. doesn't care about that. He's yeah. a construction worker. No, he's not. He's Thor. He's never not Thor for the rest of my run. Like, yeah. it's just instantly, let's get to what's fun. And I actually had the chance to talk to Walt Simonson. Ooh. And uh, nice. I was able to ask him, like, how did you know Beta Ray Bill would work? And he's like, I didn't. I was like, but you started with him. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it could have been a disaster. But he's also was like, Thor's sales were so bad that no one cared. I was like, why'd you pick the name Beta Ray Bill? It's so weird. He's like, well... You know, because they already had gamma rays, so I felt like maybe beta rays, and then yeah, Bill you see, whatever you find me. out the behind the scenes I'm stories like, at Marvel, it is like such an insane, <laughs> arbitrary decision. That's oh, I mean, it is it. funny that this alien's name is Bill. Uh, <laughs> Bill, his name's Bill, and it's not even an alien race that like Marvel has used before, yeah, to my yeah. knowledge. I might be wrong, but it's this is not, the no, not at that point. No, this is not the scrolls. It's these weird orange guys. Anyway. Did you cheer uh, Chris? Or first of all, did you see Thor Ragnarok, the movie? Yes. And did you notice the little visual shout out to Beta yes. Ray Bill? He's yes. one of the champions that had fought before. You don't like see that, but they show like just the visages of the- Of the gladiators, yeah. Yeah, and one of them is Beta Ray Bill. It's I loved it. And I read that they were trying to find a way to get him in. 
would have oh, been too Kevin crowded. Feige had, is it Feige? Kevin Feige had know. said like, we don't know how to pronounce anybody's real name yeah. who's in the comic book world. Yeah. He had Kirby apparently Kirby said Kirby like, sake, we don't know. He said, uh, everybody loves Beta Ray Bill and is obsessed with him, but it, we just couldn't find a natural way to get him in, but we're going to try someday. And I'm glad they didn't use them rather than just forcing him in, in a cheap, like Easter egg way. Like if they do Beta Ray Bill, I want it to be like a thing. I would, I would also argue that the two, there's two characters, one Beta Ray Bill who they couldn't find a way to use, the other Silver Surfer who didn't, they didn't have the rights for, which would have made the whole Thanos fight. Like those two are so powerful yeah, that they, they are the two that if they teamed up, they just kick the shit out of Thanos and win. Yeah. So story-wise, I'm also sure that it's like, we can't have Thor and Beta Ray Bill because at a certain point they're the sort of the same and it's like ultra powerful and you can't yeah. like tipping point. Silver Surfer is definitely like a weird Joker card that sort of like changes any hand to a Royal flush. So what do you do sort of? That was another issue I thought about uh, asking you guys to read was Silver Surfer number 48. Nobody talks about it. It's one of my favorite things Marvel ever did. Um, is this an old Stan Lee issue? This is like 60, 70 no, Silver Surfer? It's it's the Ron Lim era. It's Silver Surfer number 50 was the one that kind of kicked off the Infinity Gauntlet stuff. Famously, it had a foil cover, which okay. was like people were blown away. <laughs> number 48, Silver Surfer goes to Galactus and basically says like, hey, I have picked up on the fact that emotionally something is off about me. Okay. And I'm going to go fight this thanos fight and i need my full faculty so what did you do and galactus goes well i've i i i had you kill billions of people i took away your sense of guilt silver surfers like give it back Ooh, galactus is like nice. do you understand that if i turn your guilt back on you're going to feel the impact of having killed tens of billions of people in you're going to feel it now in one moment and silver surfers like i need to be my whole self and <laughs> this is Gether episode a bait for Chris Gethard, if I've ever heard of it. A like guilt? super Let's emo guilt moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, um, do you do you read fantasy books? Um, like, to uh, a degree, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I knew. I've read it, like which ones are good. I, I mean, I've read the. I sounds read like the, no. Yeah, not as much <laughs> as you think. I mean, I've read the. I've read all the, um, you know, Lord of the Rings stuff. There's just a there's a Song series of Ice and Fire which got really frustrating obviously uh, and there's just a series that uh, uh that I'm reading right now called the Stormlight Archive that deals with a lot of characters who you know they're all fantasy characters so they all have magic powers or whatever but they're each like are a broken human beings like one it. is depressingly suicidal one uh, yes has rage issues Please and then they have to like not necessarily fix their problems but like learn to live with it like this thing that will never be completely gone and yeah, still be like shit. a whole person and it's great those moments are great please send me the info on those i would like to read them. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> the issues i've picked from the walt simonson thor run i, I did right, it right, specifically because right. i'm so excited to hear from you guys about it because one of the things i've been loving about your fantastic four spider-man hulk commentary it's part of why i thought about the the captain america diamondback date too is you do such a good job of pointing out how one of the major differences with early Marvel from anything that had come before was that they had jokes and that Stanley's jokes were like very lovable, but often cringy and hacky and yeah. played like, I think you guys always use the phrase of like, this is what happens when a 40 year old man tries to write jokes for 17 year olds in the sixties. Like, right. But will 
just like you said, the generation of creators that grew up on Marvel were able to take a lot of the the best stuff and and evolve it better. And there's three issues in Walt Simonson's run that are very divisive. 364, 365, 366. Yeah. A lot of people say it's the Achilles heel that ruins the whole run for them. And I really want to hear your guys' opinion on it because I think it's one of the biggest swings any creator ever took to do like a, this is a Marvel Comics joke and I'm going to ride it out for three full issues. It's so weird in that Marvel way, but it's that second generation creator. This is, of course, the infamous Frog Thor storyline. Yeah, I have to hear the Heinz brothers' opinions on it. Um, I'll go first because then I'll let Kevin go because Kevin always knows more than me. Uh, I love Frog Thor. I remember seeing it on the stands, the cover with Frog Thor, and I wasn't reading Thor. I'd be like, what's going on over in Thor? (laughs) Frog? Like, what's happening? That, although that would, and like you say, I think the main thing is that it was multiple issues because there would occasionally be like an issue that yes. was kind of like a gimmick story in any superhero title. Yeah. You had like Spider-Man the general checks story. in on Frog, Frogman one night to make sure yeah. he's still cool. Like, yeah. Something like that. Or like Foggy Nelson becomes a crime fighter for an issue instead of Daredevil. Yes. And Daredevil's like protecting him in the shadows or something like that, you know, or like you follow Aunt May around or just some kind of strange. Yes. Thing, but to do it for like three, almost four issues, that's half your year is like Frog <laughs> Thor. Um, so I remember noticing it as a cover being like Frog Thor, just kind of mentally checked. I got to get, I got to check in on Frog Thor at some point. Never read it. And then whatever it was, a year and a half ago when Gether texted me and I read the Simons and Thors, I'm digging it. I'm loving it. Kind of forgot about Frog Thor, then got to Frog Thor. And I was like, oh, here it is. I've been waiting since I was 13 to see what this is. And I was not disappointed. It, it's an incredible story in and of itself. And as a Simonson must have just challenged himself. Can I capture the essence of a great Thor story in this insane visual of a frog protagonist? And I think he does it. And I think, and I think basically think if you want to learn how to write a a Thor story, read this story because it basically leaves, it is the blueprint of the Thor quest laid bare. Like basically when he meets the other frogs and starts fighting their battles, it's like, this is, this is Thor's personality brought forward. Kevin, what do you think? I, so uh, I think huge, huge thumbs up. And there are some genuinely funny moments that I'll point out. But Kevin, And there are think? people who hate this. Let's be clear. I'm so nervous that Kevin is one of them. No, I'm definitely not. Uh, I, ah, yes. when, I, when I I had not read this series again until like 10, 12 years ago, whenever the Visionaries volumes came out, there was, I think, two things I knew about this run. One was the executioner having the standoff was a moment oh. that I'd heard like talked about. I was like, so I know there's some big moment where this guy's sacrificing himself. Another incredible. And then Frog Thor. Those are only two things I knew about the run overall. Cause I remember there being an ad in the Marvel comics at the time of like a picture of frog, a frog dressed as Thor going, this is happening in Thor right now. Uh, and just so I was aware that it was a thing that happened, but like you guys, I didn't read Thor. So I didn't care that much. Uh, so I was, I knew that would happen at some point in these volumes. It's a blast. I don't know. I just reread it uh, today because of this uh, recording. Uh, and it's as good as I remember. It's really fun. It it both doesn't take itself seriously and takes itself very seriously. It's it's not played like a joke, but it's also not played like so serious. Like like it doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah, uh, it's a really good balancing act. 
like it'd be very easy to make this sort of like a very farcical, goofy break uh, story. But like in serial storytelling, you need these sort of moments. Like this follows a long stretch of like huge, mythic, enormous battles. You need a breather. Yeah. And this is a great way to do a breather, but not stop doing like mythic stories. Because the idea of like uh, a god being turned into a frog feels like it's something that probably happened in Norse myths. Like it's something that would happen to Hercules and Thor and whoever. It doesn't stand out that much from a like a mythology. It's weird for a superhero story, <laughs> not weird for myths. And Thor yeah. is both. It's uh, like kind of turns it to a, it distills all the values of Thor down to almost like a fable. That's yes, I think exactly. people who, and I don't, I, I don't talk to many comic book fans because I don't like them. Uh, uh, <laughs> How do you, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? I don't know. Like when I go to, when I used to go to comic shops regularly, uh, and this would be like younger when I didn't have that many friends, someone would like try to strike up a conversation with me. I was like, I don't want to talk to you. You like comic books. <laughs> uh, you like comic books almost as much as me. I, I no, thank you. Like, it's like, I don't want to get in arguments over like who would win what fight. And I think that's the thing with Thor fans is like Thor fans get, and I've mentioned this before on our podcast, Will, but like Thor fans get crazy about Thor. Yeah. Like, one of the big arguments is like Thor versus Superman, who would win? And they hate anyone who says Superman. It's Thor. Or or that anyone who says like, they're, they, they're pretty even. They're like, Thor would demolish him. And it's yeah. crazy to me. Like, who cares? They're both comic book characters. You know who wins? I am that whichever person. comic book it's in is who wins, right? Whoever's yeah. the hero of the story, he wins that battle. Uh, yeah. And uh, they get so, they hold him, so, he's so important to them. That I think the idea of him being treated like a joke, even for a three issue run, is a slap in the face when it's it's not. It's like he's still the hero of the story. He's, he's still great. The Thor character is respected greatly in this story. In fact, <laughs> one of my favorite thing of it is that like it is like you say, Kevin, Frog Thor. That could just be a joke. And it's a really funny joke. You know, this arrogant the the most arrogant protagonist in the Marvel universe stuck in the body of a frog. You know, it's like the ultimate humbling experience. And you can just play that for a joke, like a comedy sketch. And they do play it that way. There's lots of like comedic moments of Thor humiliated by his like frog body. Is he humiliated though? He's just sort of like irritated that he can't get back to Asgard. Well, he's irrited, but us, the reader, are some slapstick kind of, stuff. Yeah, it's but, like we are. We he's are never like, like, oh, I can't believe I have to pretend to be a frog for a while. He's sort of like, okay, no, okay you're right. You're right. Now, he's awesome. always into it. And I feel, I feel like they indicate this, maybe even say it explicitly on some level. But one thing I thought was so funny about that is it's kind of clear that to Thor, like he's on Earth, he's on Midgard, and like humans and frogs are closer <laughs> together in his mind than humans <laughs> and gods. Like, yeah, he's slumming it by pretending to be a human. He's slumming it by pretending to be a frog. Like, it's not that <laughs> different in his mind, you know. That's true. I love that take. There's a but I guess I mean, this... like, they play for a joke in the beginning, but then they it kind of quickly shifts into a quote-unquote real Thor story. And I'm wrapped up. I'm completely riveted and wrapped by you the frog Thor. You want the frogs to beat the rats. Yes. You really do a... want the frogs to win. And when they do win, it is triumphant. There's a moment near the end of this arc where he saved the frogs from the rats, uh, who have the uh, a great plot, but uh, and then the basically the the princess is like, do you want to marry me and yes. rule the frogs? And frog Thor's response isn't like, like no way. He's sort of like, you honor me. Like he's like Kevin, honored that's, by the request. That's yes. maybe my favorite moment of. He's the, like, so he's like I wish I could, but I have gonna, to go. 
I have other things I need to take care of. It isn't like, I'm not going to marry a frog, you idiot. This no, is where, that's not his response. His response is, you couldn't have honored me more. Now, he's, can very, I, he's very Thor-like in his answer. I got to read the exact quote. Do you want to talk first, Chris? Or can I read this? Well, because I want to jump in and piggyback off of something Kevin okay. just said, which I think is one of the most important things to establish early in discussing these issues, which is Kevin pointed out that Thor is like, no, I'm sorry, I have to go. There's other things I need to take care of. Now, let's point out, for these three issues <laughs> spread over the entirety of three all issues, there's an A storyline and a B storyline. Yeah. yeah. The A storyline is that Thor has been turned into a frog. Yeah. <laughs> the B storyline is Odin, the king of the gods, is dead, and every god in Asgard has been summoned to an arena so they can pick the new king of the gods, aka the most important person in this world. Yes. A story. Frog Thor. <laughs> Most important, impactful thing this world can imagine. Right. It's so great. It's The cutting That's back the and forth story. is so funny. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and then if I can't, like, here's the exact type of thing that I love. Because I, I was reading it too. I'm like, this is also, I feel like this is how Kevin and Will, like when I've seen you guys do Brothers Hines, there's moments like this. So he goes to the Avengers Mansion. Tips over sugar. <laughs> tries to write his name. Help, I'm Thor. Right, Thor's been turned into a frog, so he's going to the Avengers for help. Grumpy-ass Jarvis sweeps it away because he's grumpy. Franklin Richards sees it. Jarvis tells him to shut up. Now, Thor goes, he has to leave now. So he goes to cross the street, and he's in the middle of the street, and a car is coming towards him, a truck, and clearly in the 80s, a reference to Frogger, the popular video game of the time. <laughs> and the way Thor reacts is to say... By the handle of my enchanted hammer, I've jumped into the middle of traffic. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny to me. And it strikes me as a thing I like that. I'm like, that's so dry in a way that you motherfuckers must love. By the handle of my enchanted hammer, I've jumped into traffic. But yes. he's taking it seriously. It's Walt so Simonson good. could pull off the, uh, the, the like exclamations that superheroes used to always make, like great Krypton and, and things like that, wallop and web snappers, things that like nobody would ever say. When Walt Simonson writes it in Thor comics, you're like, yeah, he'd say that. He's also, I think, by far the best comic book, because he drew these too, the bulk yes. of them. The best ever at the at the infamous, like the Batman sounds, what everybody makes fun of, like sound the effects, Yes, his sound Dude, effects are well, And his, leg, his run legendarily begins, I think, on the first page with just something that says like, Thakum, across <laughs> the whole splash page, like something crazy like that. But in well, here, we... Right, scrolling... right here at the beginning, when he's running across the road like Frogger, he sees a rat, and rats are going to be the, the enemies, the antagonist of the story, right? This is his first run in with a rat. Um... And so we kind of like see Thor show his character in this first confrontation. He sees a rat headed towards him. Um, I best retire to less traveled paths. What am I saying? Is this some effect of the enchantment? I may be only a frog, but still I am the warrior son of Odin. Still I am Thor. And oh, so Thor good. does not run from his enemies. He fights them. And then he puffs out his neck and like pushes the rat back with like a huge blow. It's surely whom hilarious. Go ahead. Surely whoever penned look before you leave must have spent some time as a frog. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's so good. It's both like funny and also staying true to his like confidence in himself. And I'm like, we're in the hands of a master. This story is going to be incredible. 
How about you, it. vermin? <laughs> and then he beats the crap out of this rat, and the rat runs away. I mean, and the storyline is remembered fondly for the most part, though, because it's adapted. Every time Thor's in a cartoon, he's turned into a frog at some point. My they son is now watching superhero movies. cartoons. They do these storylines. Yeah, they uh, mention it in the movies. Thor, Thor, frog uh, has. Uh, so here's a, here's. I'm going to go on a fun quick tangent. The other frog that is a human in the story. Yeah. Uh, near the very end, one of the frogs reveals that he is a another human that's been turned into a frog. Yeah, Puddle Gulp. He do gets ever, Thor powers at some point. He does, and do, so, I wasn't sure if that was like a reference to some other Marvel thing. It's from the past. It is not a reference to anything other than he's. This is his first appearance as this story, and then much later on, someone wanted to tell like another frog Thor story for like an all ages book, and so instead of just Puddle doing Gulp one, the Thor. They wanted to make like it in canon, so they gave him Thor powers. So Throg is a thing, or Thorg, uh, one of those two. Uh, I think it's Throg. Throg, yeah. And he's like in the Pet Avengers or something. It's like an all ages. That's like a comedy comic, but like well, that so, character so- has had like history after this. But yeah, he's this is not a reference to anything other than like that he makes a reference to a football game earlier in the story. Yeah. And you have it's to justify so that, I guess. Um, so Gethard good. and, and uh, Kevin, don't you love how quickly Simonson sort of like establishes like kind of an array of characters who exist just for these three issues? You got Puddle Gulp, who's the frog that befriends Thor. There's the queen who is struggling mm-hmm. to protect the frogs from the rats. Princess. There's the lead princess. Sorry. Yes. Then there's the lead rat. Uh, Rizzo is another character. Bug Eye is one of the is one of the frogs. Like Simon just yeah. Morlock with the flute. Who I I, I was the a big X Men. Yeah, and you know I was a big X Men fan, and the Morlocks were a big factor in that. But I don't remember the Piper in I particular. He, he was either non-existent or very minor. I think he was very minor. There was somebody who controlled the alligators in the Morlocks. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. But so he, he wasn't in the top five. Like he wasn't Callisto, Mask, no, right, Caliban, right, right. like. No. It wasn't any of the big ones. That's like a thing you do as a Marvel writer. You pick some character that was on a panel 15 years before and make a big deal out of him. That's like a move that you make when you're trying to show your stuff, I think. You take like the chameleon from the old Spider-Man story and like make it I work it. or something. I fantasize about I, – for my whole life, I fantasize about if I ever wrote for Marvel, what would I do, right? And a lot of it is that. Like I'm going to – I'm going to update Rocket Racer, man. I'm going to make <laughs> uh, update Rocket Racer, see what I can do. Like you, yeah, you yeah. always have the dumb thoughts about the dumb characters first. And that's sure. part of the joy of Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah. Got to make Cardiac an Avenger. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Maybe Hypno Hustler's really into EDM these days. You know? <laughs> um, there's great... Uh, quickly, the frogs, when you learn about the frog society... There's like several things going on with the frogs. Somebody's poisoning the reservoir. They're scared of the alligators, and the rats are like a gang that's trying to move in on frog territory. Well, right? the rats that's- are poisoning the reservoir. Okay, they're, yeah. So to squeeze they're stealing out the all the rat poison left for them, and they're going <laughs> to dump it in yeah. the water supply. Basically, that's why there's so many rats at Central Park. Is they don't eat the rat poison; they collect it in bags for their own nefarious plots. I love it. And then, it so and much. then, of course, cut to. Um, a number of god children who because they are children can see the sword of the person who has uh nearly taken down asgard and crumbled it into dust they can see their giant sword no one else can the adults can it's like 
how do you cut from like the rats are going to poison the water supply to like, hey, let's also not forget that in these epic mythic battles, there's a weapon that Loki's uh, siphoning energy from. It's like, how are you doing both of these things at once, Simonson, you goddamn fucking wizard? <laughs> it's so good. Uh, um, Simonson is doing a Thor comic now, uh, for his own Thor comic right, called Ragnarok. Right. That takes place after Ragnarok and like Thor is like a desiccated skeleton character. Uh, and it's good too. Like if, if somebody, if you, if you'd read this as just like, this is a dark Knight returns uh, by Walt Simonson type thing, it would fit right in. And it's so he hasn't, he's still so good, man. This guy is just great. I wonder why Marvel didn't pay him big bucks to do it through them. Uh, he might not have wanted to, maybe he just wanted to have something. He, I mean, cause Thor is, not owned by Marvel, the concept of Thor. Right. Maybe so, he didn't he do the to worry about like, Thor. Yeah, movie, I don't know. Movie tie-in. He didn't probably didn't want to worry about, hey, that conflicts with movies. Right. He can employees. do it his way. Because uh, yeah. he's just, he's genuinely into Norse myth, whether it was oh, before yeah. he read this or because of writing this. Uh, how the guy good, knows his stuff. I'm interrupting and changing the subject just like a bad host. Great. Um, how good are all the Thor? Oh, my favorite thing is the Thor speeches where he makes decisions of honor. Like when he, when Thor, when frog Thor first learns of what's going on with the frogs, he's thinking that he's got to get back to Asgard. Cause like Chris said, there's this thing going on where everyone's fighting to replace yeah. Odin. Odin died. His father died. He dies oh. all the time, but it's mm-hmm. still a big deal. And, uh, but the frogs kind of need help. So Thor has a moment where he has to decide what to do. And I, I, lo- I got to read this out loud. I love how Simonson makes Frog Thor think this. I must return to Asgard as quickly as possible. Yet inhabitants of Manhattan, both human and animal, need my aid because he's the poison in the reservoir. <laughs> how shall I weigh the lives of those under my protection against a potential t- tyrant or tyranny in my homeland? And then um, uh, he's decided to help. And there's a little frog going, you seem hesitant. What are you thinking about? And then Thor addresses the frogs. I am stranger here among you, uh, and no one has asked what I want. My and though I have listened to what has been said, no one has asked what I want myself. Lives are precious to me, no matter how humble they may be. And if I can, I will save the lives of those who have shown me sanctuary. Like I get chills reading that, <laughs> like that he is going to stay and kick ass on behalf of the frogs. Well, similarly, I will point out. Um, so the king. Right, King, King uh, Glugwort of the Frogs. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He gets yes. taken out. Yeah, by the rats. Sad. And then, if I may read. Please. The rats, they were dragging an old garbage bag with rat poison in it into the water. We stopped them. Who's your friend? His name is Thor, King Glugwort. He is simply passing through. No, he must not. He is the miracle I have prayed for. The gods would not mock us with such a fighter only to take him away again. Surely he won't turn his back on his own kind. Thor, my kingdom, my daughter, take whatever you want, but save our people. Promise, promise, promise. And then uh, Puddle Guy uh, says, may you swim to safe haven, King Glugwort. Goodbye. Follow me, Thor. The rats will be back with reinforcements any minute. And then they dive into the water. I'm like, how are you getting me sort of emotional about the death of King Glugwort? A guy who I met seven pages ago. Yes. Uh, he's a frog a, king. He's a frog king. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, he's, he's on like two panels of this entire story, but it's sad when he dies. But king that's why Glugwort. I can't believe that any fan of Thor would see these stories as a negative. They are Simonson. He's he's a master, like at the top of his powers, almost daring himself to make a good story out of this. And he's doing it. 
It's well, look, so people good. hated uh, Weezer's Pinkerton too. <laughs> they know? were wrong. They were so wrong, Gethard. People I mean, don't like things whole, that are different in the moment. This whole run has humorous, silly moments. This is just oh, like yeah. the most, the longest uh, uh, and most upfront silliness that's in there. Um, but again, like, I don't know, the whole run always read to me like modern, like, uh, you know, basically it reminds me of Gethard's thesis uh, that I read uh, that was passed <laughs> around all the comic shops that yeah. it's modern myth making, right? This is a modern myth. And this sort of storyline is right in line with any of those things. It's Thor has lost all his powers. He's been turned into a frog and he's still a hero. He doesn't, How about sl- this? doesn't miss a beat. How about this? At one point, the rats are cornering frog Thor uh, pretty soon after he decides to take up the battle on behalf of the frogs. And the rats have approached frog Thor and they're like, look, it's that frog I was telling you about. We outnumber him <laughs> 10 to one. And frog Thor leaps into the fray with his frog legs. How fortuitous of your varlets to find me, ratso. It saves me the trouble of looking for you. And that just attacks 10 rats. Come on. He's Come Thor. On. He's still Thor. He's still also, Thor. How funny is it that his two rams, whatever they are, with yeah. the, with the um, tooth gnasher and something else, and tooth grinder, maybe. Yeah. They're just hanging out in a random New York City alley, just yes. waiting for Thor. Yeah, yeah. So funny. And that's so that's that's classic Marvel stuff, right? You Marvel's New York City. You could walk around the corner and like, you know, you could either run into like two thugs running numbers for the big man, or you could run into like Thor and Captain America, like taking out a minion of Galactus. It's the let's best. Uh, let's read Thor's response to the 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 princess now queen. Uh, of the frog kingdom after she goes, would you stay Thor and rule with the frogs with me? And his little hearts around her that is both adorable, funny, but also legit sweet. She's like, I would, I would like it very much. And his response, lady queen, you do me a great honor, but my place is not here. I'm a wayfarer who has already tarried over long amongst you and I must be gone. There are many who would stand beside you and help you rule wisely and well. Give them your trust as you gave it to me. And she looks brokenhearted, doesn't she? This yeah. like, yes. And his speech I mean, goes on. He has this like keep, long speech. Uh, after that. Can we uh, let's let's take turns reading it? I love this speech, Gethard. Do, do you which, see where which we are? Which page are we on? Uh, so we are on. I don't know what page. This is no. in the right before he turns into full frog Thor before he it's gets before his he hammer. goes to the alley. Yeah. Um, cause I don't have page numbers in mind. Are we still in the first issue? No, this is the second oh, issue. Oh, great. Okay, great. second yeah, issue I, toward I the end. The second issue, yes. One, two, I know exactly what you speak. Because we also have four. to remind people, let's keep in mind, this was all done by Loki so he can try to steal the king's seed to become yeah. the new Odin. Yes. This is so good. Right. This is all just a diversion of Loki. Loki turned him into a frog just to get him out of the way so he could take Odin's place. Yeah. He's using the power of searcher's sword. Everyone can tell. <laughs> so you guys are talking about when Thor goes to lift the hammer? No, this no, is basically that. this is the this is kind of like after he has defeated the rats by using by getting the piper to summon the alligators yeah. to defeat mm-hmm. the rats. It's, gone. it's yes. the page after the piper takes the alligators away. And he's united the frogs and convinced them that they can protect themselves and he's inspired them and they are begging Thor to stay and the uh, the princess now queen has asked him to be her king. Um and, and Thor has given a big speech to inspire the frogs and it's incredible. There are many who would stand behind side you. Yes. I hope you rule wisely and well. Give them your trust as you gave it to me. Yes. My friends, you want this is the part yes, I'm supposed to be. This is it. Yeah. My friends and companions, someday I hope to return to the reservoir. 
And when I do, mayhap I shall be so changed that you will not recognize me. He's promising he's going to come back as, as Thor. Thor and check in on the frogs. <laughs> but I will know you. And remember how we fought together and won against enormous odds. And my heart shall be glad to think of the faith you had in the stranger who came to your aid. I mean, Give that faith to your queen and remember, it can move mountains, they say. I love it. I mean, what a speech from Frog Thor. And then yeah. we have to point out what Williamson, Kevin, do you want to read what, what Simonson rather put in that? Oh, the caption bubble right there. <laughs> and to the sounds of sorrowful croaking, Thor dives into the water and is gone. That's poetry. <laughs> it, is, it is terrific. It is it great. Is. It is really, it's a, again, like I just love how there's never a moment in the story where Thor is like, oh, this is such an annoying thing to have to deal with. Again, it's yes. his honor, it's his duty. He, he's, yeah, you're right. He's, he's not humiliated. Fight. He never feels embarrassed. He should be. Even when he yeah. later shows up in Asgard as a Thor, a frog in Thor costume. So good. Plumbing There's no moment of that where of the he sky is. And everybody in the arena is like, wait, what the fuck was that? That yes. looked kind of like There's Thor. no moment where he's like covering his face, like, don't look at me. He's just no. like, okay, Loki, turn can me we, back. Can we jump forward to where Frog Thor gets his hammer? Because up until can now, I, he... Yes, I want to ask you guys one thing in between that. Because there's one thing I didn't get. I don't know if it's like a reference to a commercial of the time. Okay. So he goes to Tooth Grinder, Tooth Masher, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tooth Grinder just goes, Welcome back, my lord. And he goes, Tooth Grinder, you know me? And then Tooth Grinder's response confused me. Of course, Lord Thor, even without an American Express <laughs> yes. card, oh, right. one yes. could hardly, fa hardly fail to recognize Thor, however, his exterior was disguised. Yeah. Is that a reference? That was a some American Express joke. had a campaign where it's like, uh, it's like, uh, you wouldn't be recognized without your American Express card, right? It's like never, never leave home without it. Was part of this, like, they, yeah, they would have like celebrities, and they'd be like, "Who are you?" And they'd be like, "I'm William Shatner. I don't recognize you." Here's my American Express card. Oh yeah, Even, William Shatner. Like that was like, Walt Simonson's human. Walt Simonson's human. Yeah. <laughs> Even he ain't perfect. He put yeah. one thing that did not age well. One thing. <laughs> it almost illustrates how beautiful the rest of this is. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, he goes to lift his hammer. Kind of reminds me of the famous. Do you feel like this is sort of a tribute to? Uh, it is a hundred percent. Peter Parker. A hundred percent. It is a direct homage, and they use a lot of the same dialogue. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, this is why Will wanted to get to this. It's all he's wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, I've read that a th uh, you know a hundred times, but I didn't notice the dialogue. Right. Let's so break the, it down, Will. Yes, let's break it down. So Frog Thor, who is like. He's not full Thor, right? He's kind of like without his hammer, he's diminished, still stronger than most frogs. So now he's going to get his hammer back, but the hammer is human-sized. So little frog Thor has to like muscle his little body under the staff and somehow fashion himself to be lifting it up to invoke his full power, right? So there's like, how many pages does he spend doing this? Uh, Two and a half. Two, three pages counting. Yeah, basically the, about three pages. And so the spends, rats bearing down on him. Yes, the rats that he has bested who are humiliated are swarming into the alley to destroy him. Um, and this is a direct homage to the Master Planner saga where Spider-Man has like a huge bunch of metal on his back and spends three pages lifting that off his back to defeat Dr. Octopus. And so what's, what's the uh, dialogue that you see that's okay. lifted? Third one. page from the end, uh, second row, uh, first panel, I must lift the hammer of Thor, no matter how impossible it seems. Within my body is the strength of many frogs, 
and I must call upon all that strength to aid me now. That that is a quote from the Spider-Man comic. Yes. Within my Spider-Man, body, it's something about the strength, the strength of many, of many men. men, and I must so call good. upon all the strength I possess now. This it's is like, what I. This is so clearly because Simonson has said that he. It was a journey into mystery that was Thor's book before it was Thor. Yes. That's right. Yeah. He said he used to obsessively read the story Thor stories in that, and he had grown up reading Norse myths. And he apparently knew that if he ever worked for Marvel, he knew start to finish what he wanted his run to be. <laughs> I love um, it. I love it. So he clearly was like an old school Marvel dweeb who yeah. loved the master planner thing. Yeah. And knew this from day one was going I on. mean, that's so why good. it's so good you picked this arc because it is like everything. It's a great Thor story. It's fun. It is a challenge. It shows Simonson's chops. He's got Easter eggs to old Marvel things. He's got dumb little American Express jokes. He's reinventing maybe a possible little side minor character of the Morlocks as a villain. He's creating a bunch of protagonists that you, I mean, Thor could revisit the reservoir someday, right? And check I in think on- he does go back and stop there at some point. Uh, I don't know Love if that's it. in a Simon's and Thor story or not, but he does. There is another story where like he goes back and the frogs like recognize him or like, yeah. Uh, the puddle thumper or whatever uh, tells other frogs, I knew him. Yeah. Now, can we also point out, um, Will, two pages after the panel you just read, he does lift the hammer and turns into full-on frog Thor. But the top panel is only a sound effect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who would like to say what it says? I think Kevin should do it. Sure. Okay. It says, uh, uh, Crack-a-doom. <laughs> K-R-K-A-D-O-O-U-M exclamation point yeah. <laughs> in what looks to be directly in front of the sun uh, going into Quasar Meltdown. Yeah. It's yeah. so fucking good. Simonson was great about having like sound effect panels and like he did a lot of his own sound effects, uh, which sometimes letterers do, sometimes the artists do, but it's like part of the art when he does it. It's so great. And then we have a human-sized frog holding a hammer. Tis done. Once more, the power of the god of thunder is mine, and woe to Loki that it should be so. But he looks insane. (laughs) He looks completely insane. It is almost monstrous. Human-sized frog in the Thor outfit, but with the thunderous dialogue and the heroic pose, I buy it. And I'm ready for this guy to kick ass. It is so like the idea that you watch him kick all the rats' asses, and now he's going back to Asgard to fight Loki, who's standing on stage in front of every god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is like so goofy but so earned, and I love it. I love yeah. Loki as a villain. There's oh, no one should ever ass. trust him, or like, <laughs> Asgard is always one step away from being like okay with him. Uh, so that he can constantly, like, be foiled by Thor again. Like, he has to, I don't know. There's a certain point where it's like, just never, even if he's telling the truth, you're not missing out on much. Yeah, and it's always like Heimdall and the Warriors 3 and Balder are the only ones who consistently remember, and Lady Sif probably, right? Yeah, yeah. They're the only ones that consistently remember, like, yeah, I still don't trust it. Uh, it's, it's the town of Springfield from like the Simpsons. Like they're yes. just constantly yes. in mob, getting swayed instantly by whatever the plot needs them to be. Um, even though there's a climactic battle that follows, where like full sized frog, th- uh, frog of thunder 
gets his revenge on Loki and defeats him. I almost consider that anticlimactic to the to the reservoir story. In some ways, yeah, it's wrapping it up. But I, I also like that they start to merge it with like Volstag's daughter being sick. Yeah, I forgot yeah. that that all was connected. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, I I just think that it starts to take those turns, and then the the image, like if you go, let's see. Page one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Of the, top, the final issue. Yeah, up on the uh, Loki's on stage pitching himself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's not forget the slapstick comedy of they got a fake Thor to hang out to buy yeah, Thor right. time to get back, and Loki's yeah. like, mm. but there is a panel, um, middle top left of frog thor crouching behind a <laughs> concrete pillar watching loki just a six foot six frog crouching and it makes me laugh so hard like yes i think you're right that the rat stuff is what i remember most fondly but it's still really good and funny i mean seeing loki get his is always very satisfying here he is pretending to hold thor's hammer but it's a fake hammer and then there's a wide shot of six foot frog thor zooming in on loki to kick his ass uh, it's maybe like five or six pages later, uh, but the image of Frog Thor body slamming Loki into the ground is epic. Yeah. So this is after he grabs him after the one-page interlude with the big red monster dude. Um, Th- Thor has grabbed Loki yeah, and just slams him into the awesome. ground so hard. It looks really, really cool. And it's yet, just you know, a great drawing. And he a puts ridiculous. The- Sound effect of rap, W-H-R-A-A-P-P, exclamation point. And then on the same page, he has a bram, B-W-H-R-A-A-H-M, exclamation point. Right, that's, a, that's, that's like a metallic, page. a metallic, like echoey sound Bram-y. of the hammer hitting stone. Oh, it's so good. I mean, he even as a wretch. He's so filled with anger and revenge. Even as he's a frog, it looks awesome. It looks completely badass. He's basically saying he's going to kill Loki. Straight up is like, this is it. I'm yeah, going to actually we kill must, you this Yeah, time. we must learn if the spells of the sorcerer shall survive his death as he like clobbers him across. Mm-hmm. And then he says, croak, croak, like he's having trouble speaking because of this enchantment yeah. on the next page. And then he also says, chug a rumpf below that. <laughs> and then right in the middle of this epic fight that's like merged with this goofiness, then the next page is Volstag. And his daughter again, and she's strapped yeah. to his front dying. And yeah. he takes her to find that weapon as like a last ditch effort that maybe we should believe these kids. Yeah. And that's what leads to Loki's power getting drained. It's like epic and goofy and emotional. Yes. Yeah. Volsteg is funny too, because he accidentally knocks over boulders to like destroy the device that's been tapping the energy that's turned uh, Thor into this, like, that's basically responsible for this all. And his response is, Zounds! The task was not beyond the reach of resourceful Volstag, after all. And of a sudden, my head is clear. <laughs> like, and he accidentally did it. But he's like, I saved the day. And he talks, he refers to himself in the third person. It's very funny. I also have to point out that in that same stretch, um, I think two pages before what you just read, Kevin. Yeah. The bottom half of that page shows the rocks falling. It's just and in the, just the half of the page, it says splock, spath, plink, black, kathak, carb, K-A-R-B, lamb. Yeah, wap-com. I think it's all one word. I think that's carblam. Carblam, wapcom, 
Baka Throom. And then after all that, the next page is a splash page with very little narration and Grakarash. G-R-R-A-A-K-A-R-R-A-S-H-H-H-H exclamation point. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's incredible. It's incredible. Oh, man, what a story. What a run. Um, why is Thor in a mask again? I forget. I know there's a long His stretch. His face he- got scarred by uh, Hela. Hela? Okay. How, however you pronounce Hela, it. Yeah. Hela, yeah. Hela, I believe. Uh, and then he grows a beard after this to because um, of a scarred okay. face. And then he had that beard a long time. Yep. Yeah. Who um, knew Thor was so good? Gethard, what an amazing pick. What an amazing pick. Thank you. I, it really is to me just like Marvel was – Marvel always laughed at itself. It's part yeah. of what made it so fun from the very, very start. Yeah. And that's uh, part of uh, Stan Lee's legacy, I think. You know? Yeah. And I think this is like that second generation of creators that grew up with that first wave, like nailing that in a way that's not as accidental as Stan Lee maybe did. I'm, I'm reading a biography of Stan Lee that is very harsh on him. It's called True Believer. And it's basically just like Stan Lee was a liar is kind of the thesis of the book that he lied every time he opened his mouth and, and um, which he, he did. He lied all the time. He lied and exaggerated constantly. Like he mythologized himself and Marvel and he gave himself too much credit. And, um, and, the, and so it's as someone who loves Stanley, it's kind of hard to read it because it's, it's but harsh he- enough, but it doesn't really convince me. I kind of don't agree with the book. Not that the Do book you- is like wrong. Well- did you read? I haven't read the book yet. I, I I will at some point. But did you? I think it was Roy Thomas wrote a rebuttal to the book. Uh, Danny Figueroa wrote a book before this. Um, Roy Thomas might also have written. Oh yeah, he wrote an article that was about yes, I know the book. You, Will's reading. Yeah. Yes, I he have, didn't. I like have it. not read that. Where he basically was like, "You should chill out." Like, yeah, like these relationships were not. As, yeah. Yeah. Roy Thomas. I mean, who's Roy Thomas was Hollywood like, Reporter. Yeah, Roy Thomas was like but he was taught by Stanley how to do his job. Like he's like Stanley's apprentice almost. And, and he also says like, Hey, there's actual paperwork of issues. Stanley broke down for Jack and Steve. Like there's actual paper. Right. Right. That Stan was not as bad as this book says. But what I'm this, when you talk about how Marvel made fun of itself, right? I think that comes from Stan's, sense of humor, which was often quite corny, but often very good, I think. And like, even, even if I accept all of the accusations of my negative book, which I do not, but even if I just did for a thought experiment was like, yeah, Stan is as much of a liar as you said, he still made the Marvel universe. Like it's his personality that, that set these stories aside from DC and any other superhero stories. Yeah, DC and, Comics could do silly stories, but Marvel could do them while not losing the grounding of the Marvel Universe. You know, just sort of like, can you believe it, true believers? Thor, you, a frog? Read on, you know? Like, yeah, even though this is a tribute to Walt Simonson's powers, first and foremost, no doubt about it. Like, th- this story is good because Simonson's good. It's This story exists because Stan Lee made Marvel a place where this kind of story could exist. I would also argue, because I I have always, I mean, look, the guys who made Superman getting like 50 bucks for it, it's garbage. Like sure, it's garbage. Jack Kirby should have gotten more money. Steve Ditko should have gotten more money. Absolutely. Like, I don't disagree with that, but 
I have always been a little bit of a defender of Stanley because even if you, even if he slips away from writing, I would argue Stan Soapbox, him answering Huge. the letters pages, yeah, the Mary Marvel Marching Society, and yeah. specifically. I don't know if he has as much time to write if he's not legendarily going on tours of all these college campuses where yeah. people are getting obsessed with Marvel Comics. Do any of these people have jobs? And is this company still around, what, 60, 70 years later? Absolutely without not. Without all that stuff, like that doesn't, the company doesn't blow yeah. up on, with college kids if he's not out there pounding the pavement. So he does deserve credit for that. Um I mean, if you sent Kirby and Ditko, even if like somehow they had the time to do it out and did interviews, uh, those would be bad interviews as far as like selling people on Marvel Comics. Yeah. Jack Kirby would be sitting there going like, it's a gig. And Steve Ditko (laughs) would be like, Ann Rand was right. I listened to some audio. us for reading their work. I listened to an audio clip of Stanley being like at some college doing like some Q&A. And he is genuinely so funny and charming in this interview. Like, yeah. I forget what the first question is. Something about Thor. Someone asks a question about, like, uh, this. did we think about this myth or that myth? Or And, and Stanley just pauses for a second and goes, you know, they say there are no bad questions. <laughs> and just like a huge roar. <laughs> like, him, like, going, I don't know how to answer this question. If they, they said Steve so did go to a college campus, he'd be like, "You, all you kids are wrong about Doctor Strange. <laughs> Drugs are bad. Cops are good. Hippies should die under the boot of fascism. Like, like literally be yelling shit like that. The whole company yeah, would it is one of those things where Stanley would get interviewed uh, uh Every time, like there was a big controversial thing in Marvel Comics, like, what do you think about this? Like when Donald Glover, people were like, Donald Glover should be Spider Man. Like, what do you think, Stan? He's like, he'd be great. Like, Stanley's no <laughs> idiot. He's like, he's not going to be like, ah, Peter Parker's white. He's like, no, Donald Glover's really funny and talented and good looking. Yeah, let's and, make him Spider Man. I don't care. Also, like when they went into bankru- bankruptcy, like he wrote in the 90s soapbox. Like when. I mean, he famously wrote that soapbox. They've they've been uh, after he died. They they oh the the racism one, the one an anti racism one, like yeah. lifting, like allowing the comics code to get lifted for the drug storyline in Spider Man. Like I believe he signed off on that too. Yeah. Like yeah, this is bold stuff. Like this yeah. is pretty bold stuff. And uh, we're very pro Stanley on this yeah. podcast while while yeah. acknowledging his shortcomings and oh you know. Although I've always wanted to ask you guys, and you might have a special episode in this. Apologies if you covered this. Have you ever read the letters pages from the Lee Ditko run of Spider-Man? No. You got to do a special episode on this. We yeah. go back and reread them all. He throws Ditko under the bus so much in those letters pages that it it, it has uh-huh. to, in my mind, be a part of why mm. Ditko hates Stan so much. Yeah. Like there's a letter I remember distinctly where someone writes in and is like, Spider-Man's the best. It's so funny. It's so good. Peter Parker's just like me. But Steve Ditko's art stinks. You got to get King Kirby in here to make this really good. And uh-huh. Stan answers something like, hey, uh, look, even Kirby's hand gets tired and we got to call in somebody else sometimes. It's like, <laughs> why would you even print that? Yeah. Like why would you print that, let alone answer it in that way? Like, And there's a bunch of stuff like that where you read those letters pages and you go, Steve Ditko must hate Stanley for this. I think you yeah. guys would be really interesting. Oh, it's, interesting. It's he clearly loved Ditko though because uh, Ditko is one of the few people that he didn't make like Kirby redraw or do layouts for. Uh, even pre Fantastic Four, um, uh, uh, the uh, Tales of Suspense, which I believe is 
I don't know, it's either Tales to Astound or Tales of Suspense, either the Thor or future Iron Man comic. Um, I think it was the Iron Man one. But it used to, the first story would always be a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby story. Then there'd be like two or three others, and it would end with a Stan Lee, Steve Ditko story. Like he knew, it's like these two guys are legit, That's and I want to be involved with them. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he respected him and also was kind of jealous of him and insecure and shit on him in things like what Chris is pointing out also. I think he just also didn't want to tell a fan, you're wrong. Yeah. Ever. But you right? can like, just this leave is... that one on the unused. Yeah, I know. yeah just don't run it. Yeah. Put that one in. Like, I, I really think if you guys, I know Marvel used to have the letters pages still in unlimited on those. I don't know if they still do. Cause I know the giant, I have the omnibus they're in there. But I just never open it because it is a 40 issue <laughs> tome. I just wanted it to have it. Yeah, uh, I have but the, it, like, I most reprints don't have the list. letters. Yeah. You got to read them. I honestly, I think you guys would be really fascinated. And, uh, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. That's a great idea. It's a great can idea. Can I, can you do me, can you indulge me in one thing? Of course. Sure. I personally believe, as I said, I'm, I'm really, and maybe it's just cause it's newer. I'm like, this is as good as Claremont's X-Men. This is as good as Frank Miller's Daredevil. In some ways, I think it's better. Who knows? But I will argue at this point, till my dying breath, that the executioner's death is the best individual page ever drawn in a Marvel comic. Can I read it? Oh, yeah, Can let's do it. it. Let's sure, do it. Yeah. And if set, you have set not it up read, and read it. And listen, if you haven't read this run, turn this episode off right now because you do not want this spoiled. But listen to how this is written. So everybody knows the executioner's basically like, hey, Balder, get Thor out of here. Everybody laughs at me. We're not letting yeah. you guys take the hit on this. I Thor. will hold this bridge as Hellas forces try to come over it. Yeah, Thor and the Asgardians are fleeing hell after freeing some mortal souls. And somebody has to stay behind and hold back the forces. And Thor is going to do it. And Thor is going to be the last man out through the gate. But he, that person will probably, it'll be, you know, they're going to be hit by every dead Asgardian ever. And uh, yeah. Executioner school. steps up. And, he, and there's many amazing panels of him fighting these hordes. Yes. And he, he knocks out Thor and takes his place, basically. And I want to read something for you guys. I want to read it and then and then say something I was thinking about in anticipation of this conversation. So here's okay. listen, just just people listen to this writing. So it shows it's an image of people with spears clamoring upwards, executioners out of ammo, swinging a gun at them on the left side. And the right side is images of him, the same image, fading out until it's finally just a white box. And it says, they sing no songs in hell, nor do they celebrate heroes. For silent is that dismal realm and cheerless. But the story of the Gyalar brew and the God who defended it is whispered across the nine worlds. And when a new arrival asks about the one to whom even Hela bows her head, the answer is always the same. He stood alone at Gyalabru, and that answer is enough. That's like <laughs> yeah. some of the best writing. Yeah. I don't care if it's a comic book. That's some yeah. of the best writing I've ever read. That it's stops so me good. in my tracks every time. And it's here's what I want to say yeah. about it. Here's what I was thinking about it. If you ask any Marvel fan, I would think, and I might be wrong, at least of our era, because there's some others that have come later, like Captain America getting shot and everything. What are the three most impactful deaths? I go Phoenix, yeah. Gwen Stacy, the Executioner. Ah. 
Phoenix is one of the most core characters in the X-Men history, original member. Gwen Stacy is Spider-Man's girlfriend. The executioner up until now was a complete fucking scrub. Yeah. If you read stuff of the executioner before Walt Simonson took over, he was a laughingstock. He was like stilt man, you know, like yeah. he was just a guy who got beat up on once in a while. Walt Simonson makes you like inhale your breath and not be able to exhale it as you read that guy's death. It's like the porcupine dying. Yeah. yeah the one, I mean, it is a great death. It, it, it suffers a little bit because I think it doesn't impact Thor that much. The character of Thor. You're not wrong. You're not uh, I wrong. think like Electra. Uh, oh, of she course, back, I forgot Electra. I forgot Electra. Yeah. Um, Captain Stacy would have been if Gwen Stacy didn't die like a year later. You are right. Those had longer lasting impacts. But I would say the, getting this one in the conversation is sure. a victory. Yeah. Is a victory. Electra is uh, another big one. Uh, John, uh, Reed and Sue losing their baby. Is Reed brutal. and Sue losing their baby. I mean, you can go back to Bucky dying in the. Right. I mean, both that baby and Bucky have come back, so that's nice. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, has Kevin, I love that you were that Electra's a good cause. I love that. Electra's Kevin, I love that you call. could. And the image pops into your brain immediately. I was, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, it's I just like that. that's still, that still has reverberations. And like, even though she's alive as well, it's like that death and bullseye killing her is such a big part of Daredevil, but, the fabric of Daredevil that it's hard. I mean, I mean, you're, ben, bo- you're both right because. All right, Uncle Ben's death, of course. But he almost doesn't count because he's like an orc. Yeah, yeah. He like is introduced to us as a death, basically. <laughs> um, but uh Gethard is right that like all the all the ones you're saying are the end of a character who had been like integral and like we had sure. invested all of these things into, and then there was consequences. The only reason the executioner's death is notable is Simonson's telling of it. Yes. Like Simonson's framing of it and his wordsmithing took a scrub and gave him a noble end that you can remember years and years after you read that issue. I mean, it is beta Ray bill being cool. It's like this guy, he just, he takes dust and turns it into a noble story in like three executioners. Death is one of the big pillar moments in the Thor run. Like that most good fans who've read everything. Like it stands out as one of the huge, huge, huge moments. Uh, it's why there's like a, uh, it's, they sort of do it in the Thor Ragnarok movie. They don't do it justice. Oh, uh, I was so sad. I was so sad. That it wasn't. Because that, that they just did it as a fan service reference, yes. basically. And as a fan who, that fan service was clearly intended for someone who would have this conversation. Yeah. And I just went, what a waste. Well, that's why it's good they didn't do Beta Ray Bill at all. Yeah. Like, just don't yeah. do it or do it right. Which Which the Marvel movies usually are good at that. They usually do it right or they don't do it. I think they, they missed they missed the mark on that one. Sadly. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Wasted opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's why that moment was in there, though, is because it's a moment that it's hard to uh, ignore. Like it's like these big moments and it's one of them. So it definitely holds up there and it's an amazing page. It, it's just if you frame it as important deaths of the Marvel Universe, I think. It you suffers know what, there. What I, what I, I love what I you bringing that up, like, Gethard. Go ahead. If you ask somebody, name your top 10, like I think it's in most people's top 10 that you can remember. Yeah. And sure. it should not be. That I guess I, that's what yes, I will say. Yes. It should not be in the top 10. It is the, it is the number one most overachieving death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those moments, I think, and the reason I love you bring it up, Gethard, is like when you're a comic book fan, you're like 13 or 14 or whatever, and you're reading like everything, you'll be getting your issue of Thor 
and you sit down to read it, you're like in math class, you're on the bus, you're in your bedroom after school, flipping, you get to the executioner's death, you read that page, you like look up and you're like, oh my God, like this is so good. Does anybody else besides me know how good this is? Yes. Am I the only one who recognizes how beautiful it is? And then like 10 years later, you're hanging out in a bar with your friends. Oh, you read comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you like Thor? Yeah. How about the executioner's death? You're like, yes, yes. You remember that too? It's like, it's a bonding moment to have been affected by these pages or even even when you are a kid like to bring it back to what i was saying before like i was reading comics and then i found out this other kid in my class who lived in my neighborhood named lenny read comics yeah we were the only two kids in our school who read comics and it was kind of like we were both embarrassed about it yeah but then i'm buying you know like but I think that's part of the fun of asking our friends and, and uh, our professionals, like what comics they want to talk about. Cause you find so out good. which ones like hit somebody like Jesse Falcon talked about this X-Men issue. Great issue. But the reason it hit him was it was the first one that he read that like got him hooked on X-Men. So, you know, yeah. like the emotional impact these things can have is like really fun to hear about. It's and And you get to meet up with that other person who knows about it and not feel lonely as a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's the power of comics. I think especially Marvel, especially Marvel. It's kind of why I, I don't look, one of the many things I don't like about social media or Twitter is if, if somebody is simply positively effusing about something, yeah. I don't, whatever it is, Pop Punk, Twilight Saga, Superhero Comics, Pride and Prejudice. I don't care. If you're just like, man, I loved this. I don't know. I threw Pride and Prejudice. Well, Pride and Prejudice weirdly gets like raved about a lot. Um, and then somebody else like shits on it. Like, oh, like this is such a toxic thing to bring up or oh, this is whatever. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This person at this moment is just sharing something that they love. Let them love it. You don't have to love it. You don't have to love WandaVision. But if you do, I want to, I want to hear about that. I want to hear that energy. See, I I do. I've hit a point in life and, and I built my bones. I mean, Will, you were there for the Diddy thing. It was all about like live very publicly online, connect with people. And now I've hit a point where I go, one of the most important things you can do for yourself is like have small moments that you keep for yourself. Yeah. You know, like, and for me, it's like, I hate to say it, but it's like I run around, chase my kid around. He's the best, but it's exhausting. And you get in that loop where everything is doing dishes and laundry and now feed the kid. And now you're eating your dinner, standing up while doing dishes. And this is like very real. And then at the end of the night, I get out my phone and I fall asleep reading Mark Grunewald's run on Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) And I have that. And I don't need anybody's opinions on it. I don't need anybody to be like, oh, it's so underrated. It's actually overrated. Like, I don't need to know what I need to know is I'm like, Oh, flag smasher was cooler than I remember. (laughs) And then I fall asleep and that's for me. And that's part of what comic books are for when you're not a kid anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That is the run that Dave Bluff band was talking about us reading the scourge plot line. I think was in the Grunewald. Oh, is that right? I think so. Bluff Band. Bluff Band's uh, oh, yeah, the, scur- the Scourge of the Underworld. Yeah, yeah. He was saying yeah, you should read that arc. Uh, it, it, it kind of is spread around a few different books he shows up in, but it resolves very early in the Grunewald run in the first year, and it's good. Uh, yeah, it's I've never read the Grunewald stuff. cap. I, I I didn't read a lot of cap until like Mark Wade era, which is much later on. 
Um, it has one fatal flaw, which I don't know if you guys are planning on reading it, but it has the opposite of Frog Thor. It has an effort at a Marvel joke that misses really hard and that he is <laughs> committed to for a long time. And it, it, it gets out of the gate poorly because do you know, want to know what it is? Yeah. Sure, yeah, tell me. In the Mark Greenwald run, uh, very early, um, Captain America gets a, he quits his day job advertising. I'm so glad with Thor and Captain America, they eventually were like, these guys don't need fucking day jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, identities. yeah. Like, we don't need Clark Kent for these guys. He quits his day job in the advertising world. And he gets a job oh. with Marvel Comics yeah, yeah. as the artist who draws Captain America, even though they don't know he's Captain America. Oh, and it kind right. of... I do remember. Kind of, I remember that being his status quo. Uh, it's dumb. I don't it's, love, uh, even though it's a Kirby Lee invention, I don't love the idea of Marvel Comics existing in the Marvel Universe. I think it it's, is generally dumb. I like it the way Lee and, miss, I like right the way Lee and Kirby did it. I didn't even like it there. I mean, it was at a time early enough in FF run where it's like, who cares? It's all nonsense. Uh, but like now that that is a status quo, that people are like, that's canon. I'm like, all right. I wish it wasn't. Yeah. But the FF yeah. call up Stanley every now and then and be like, hey, here's our latest adventure. Uh, someday, Kevin, when you are editor in chief of Marvel Comics, which I do believe is your rightful job, <laughs> you can forbid people from referring to stuff like that. <laughs> and it'll be a good rule. I like Casada uh, and Speedball. Didn't Casada hate Speedball? Isn't that <laughs> I think he didn't he, like the name. He had like an, <laughs> didn't he kill him and set up? Wasn't one of the big, huge company wide? I, I don't know if it was Casada's choice, but yeah, Speedball uh, exploded or something, <laughs> caused an explosion uh, that uh, caused a civil war. I always heard that that was because Joe Casada personally thought Speedball was like, like he had an irrational hatred. <laughs> maybe. What a maybe. funny villain to like. I, I know Dan Didio, I think his name is the Who Rent DC, wanted, wanted to kill Nightwing for ages. Just kept trying that's, to kill Nightwing. It, that's a lot bigger than killing Speedball. He hated Nightwing. He's like, Nightwing serves no purpose. He just ages Batman. We have a Robin. We don't need a Nightwing. Let's kill him. He served more being dead and like, Every time you tried to kill him, like creators would just be like, we can't kill this guy. It would be constantly. He was almost killed like in three different big events. <laughs> uh, Speedball's uh, a hero, not a villain. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. Speedball is it. Speedball's a Steve Ditko Warriors. creation. Well, My bad. Speedball My bad. was created by, uh, I think, Tom DeFalco, but definitely Steve Ditko. Um, Gatha, we should wrap this up. We yeah, should. Yeah, going along. Marvel hey, rules, DC drools, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the Gather, thank you so, so much for uh, for being on our show. I really love uh, it. And, joy. I, and my heart was so warm to know that you listened to the episodes. I do. And it was just a great excuse to get the three of us together again, man. This is yeah, like uh, good to see your face. It's like yeah, two thousand UCB. I listen to uh, all the Marvel ones, and I'm making my way through your back catalog, and I skip every single DC one. <laughs> uh, love you know, it. Listen to the Watchmen one. That's a good one. But, I should. Uh, I mean, Watchmen's obviously. It's only Watchmen's, one episode. So. Yeah, um, I can make it. I can make it through one. Plus, in that episode, I accidentally left the theme song bumper ten, like uh, a minute and a half in. It runs because I just forgot to delete it. Never noticed it. It's still in the episode. <laughs> so you're like a minute and a half into the episode, you hear da 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 da. Just while Captain and I are talking, <laughs> nobody I caught really it. Nobody noticed, and so it's just like, well, that's well. Just listen, it's your trip. Like Watchmen was sort of a comic book while being a meta commentary on comic books. It's you doing a podcast while doing meta commentary on. There you podcasts. go. Thank you, Gether. See, we need you're you. Yeah, you get a no prize for that. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Uh, well, actually, we, we'll do the outro separately. So uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. Take uh, care. Thank you, Jeff. 
Uh, and that's our interview. Kevin, I thought that went great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, once again, it feels like if, if we didn't have to have dinner eventually, these podcasts would never end. We stopped recording and then immediately kept talking about comic books. And that conversation could have kept going for an hour. Yeah, that's really right, fun. Yeah. Um, Chris is just such a fun fan. Um, uh, he's so passionate and uh, just has a really good handle on the thrill of reading a good comic. And I just, I just love the way he expresses um, the passion you feel for certain characters and why they're interesting and good. And there's nothing more fun than having Chris excitedly tell you about a thing that he loved that he experienced. Gethard's just an amazing observationalist. He's really able to like pull, uh, uh, like, I don't know, like what you're, he can tell you what you're feeling before you know, or how, like, yeah. uh, and he can do that with stories and just like, he's just a really good at reading things, uh, not, Literally reading, like reading off yeah. of people and stories and ideas. It's, it's what made him sort of an ideal improviser and why he was so successful at the UCB theater was uh, he, he just kind of had that knack for reading a moment, whether it was the fictional moment being created on stage, the meta moment between the show and the audience, the moment between the real human beings doing stuff on stage. He was just, he just kind of had a good feel for whatever was fun about all of those layers um, and so he was really fun to watch improvise and that's why he's good at all this other stuff he does. Do you think he listens to our podcast? He says that a few times. Do you think he's going to listen to this episode? <laughs> I think, I think not. Right. Because he's in it and he's already yeah. done the interview. Yeah. I think he will. Or do you think he will listen to the intro and outro? I think I'll listen to the intro. Will he outro. hear this part? I guess, Gethard, if you listen to this part, let me or will know. He'll definitely hear this part. I think he I would. I don't think this. he will. You don't think he will? I, I think he might listen to the he intro. Will. I don't think he'll fast forward to the end. No, I think he will. I th he's right. loving it. He's laughing right now. I guarantee. Right. I think he will. That's my. So bet. we'll find out. Gathered. Uh, I want you to contact one of us. Just let us know if you listen to the outro <laughs> right. um, of this episode. Yeah, I don't care if you listen to the whole episode, but I just want to know if you listen to this outro. We didn't mention one of his credits, Kevin, which was the improv team he was on with you for a long time called Hindsight. You and Dave Lombard and Chris Gethard. Sure. Probably your we first indie team. No, before that, we were on a team together called Hello Magic Susie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah you you and Gethard were like on all the early, you did all your early improv stuff together. Yeah, our friend Jane Borden put together an indie team. And I think like people at Gethard and I were like, we're not, we can't perform. Jane Borden's like, let's just do shows. And so we did and they were fun. And it was like, yeah, I guess you were right. We could do shows. But like we didn't... Uh, uh, or at least I never, I was like, don't we need to like practice for 10 years before we can do shows? <laughs> the first uh, ever improv jam that I went to, Chris was there. It might have been Chris's first improv jam. It was definitely early and neither of us got up. We were too scared to get on stage and join the jam. I went to a couple of Jamie jams. Rivera was there too. And I don't think, or was it Tarek Davis? Jamie and Tarek and Chris were all pretty tight. Uh, I went to at least one jam with Chris and didn't get up on stage and neither did he. I went to a few with you and didn't get up on stage. It was fun yeah. not doing that show. <laughs> we would go Friday at midnight and watch Respecto Montalban be so funny and be too scared to get up. And those yeah. were nice dudes. I don't know what we were scared of because they the were- The show was too good. It was too funny. Just, you just felt we just like, felt like, like we'd ruin it. it. We can't be duds in front of these guys. Um, um, I don't know. What a, what a time. What a, yeah. what a time. Anyway, um, uh, what was our point? This uh, is a comic book podcast. We, that, that we really liked how it went, and now we should do our social hey, media stuff. Email us, uh, screwitspidey at gmail.com. I'm going to change it to screw it comics soon, Will. Why don't we do that now? No, I'm not ready. But that does work <laughs> right now, right? Yeah, it does, but I don't know when this episode is going to drop, so we might have an episode after this where we've already said screw it I think spidey. we're going to go ahead and say it. Like Our email is now screwitcomics.com. 
but it's going to be kind of like a flickering and fading in and out yeah. because we're next recording. Episode, all these we episodes. might not talk about this. <laughs> yeah. We're recording these all out of order, basically. But uh, by next so season, though, we'll somebody secured it the Screw It Comics handle and reminded us that we could just forward Screw It Spidey. So Screw It Spidey also works, but just for the ease of our social media branding, Screw It Comics at Gmail, Screw It Comics on Instagram, Screw It Comics on Twitter. That is our handle. Boys, what, what a relief. And we're not going to say that next time, possibly. So just mm-hmm. get ready for that. But uh, but we'll slowly settle into always saying that. That's right. So That's right. Send, please correspond with us. Let us know what you think about Walt Simonson or Thor or Chris Gether or the season of guests in general mm-hmm. or Kevin's Kevin's and my improv career. Do you want to hear more about it? You wish we, do you wish we did a Herald uh, on this podcast? Let us know. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening to the end, Chris. See you next episode. Bye. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. Just about comics. Hi, my name is Eve Sturgis, and I have one question for you. Did you ever think about how much sex it takes to build a family tree? Those recreational DNA companies like 23andMe and Ancestry have such wholesome commercials about being Irish or Italian and connecting family and learning about heritage. But really, it's all about sex. Trust me, I made an entire podcast talking with people about the shocking discoveries and the deep, dark secrets that come to the surface with a few drops of spit. Season three of Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is coming at you April 16th from Campfire Media on all the pod platforms. 